You're now listening to the A Place of Refuge Productive Living Podcast with Bishop Barry D. Walker. A Place of Refuge vision is to cause people to be productive in every aspect of life according to God's Word. For more information, please stop by our website at www.aplaceofrefugechurch.org. Now, here's today's message already in progress. Literally, a high horse refers to a horse that is great, a great horse. That's what high horse literally means. Figuratively, a high horse refers to a person that is in error but is too proud to acknowledge it. Again, figuratively speaking, a high horse is a person that is in error, but is too proud to acknowledge You're wrong and you know it. But you won't admit it. At one time, that was me. I said at one time, that was me. And I felt good about myself when I was like that. Even though I was wrong. I said, even though I was wrong, I felt good about myself. But it's not good, biblically speaking, to be proud. That's not a good thing. Proverbs 6 talks about things that the Lord hates. And one of the things that he hates is a proud look. God don't even like a proud look. We're just talking about a look, not, not that attitude, just a look. He don't like that. But I like what James said in James chapter, chapter 4. Let's go down. In reference to being proud. And keep in mind, I I just told you a person that is, uh, has a high horse attitude is a proud person. James 4. And let's consider the sixth verse. You dare say I'm there, preach. But he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists. Help me. Resist means he opposes. He is set against 
the proud. Proud in one sense means high-minded. You think more of yourself than you should. There's nothing wrong with you, you thinking good about yourself. Nothing wrong with you being proud about your accomplishments. But when you get to thinking too much about yourself, to the point to where you become arrogant, a pompous, that's when God steps in and says, I am against you. There was a man that had, had uh, been successful at, build, at, at filling up his bonds. Had been very successful. And it made a lot of money. It made so much money to where he got to looking at he got to looking at how he had filled up his barn, and he 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 said to himself, "I know what I'm gonna do. I done fill this barn up, so what I'm gonna do? I, I'm gonna big build me a bigger barn, <laughs> fill it up, and then I'm gonna retire." I'm going to rest. But then God stepped in and said, Thy fool, this night, your soul is required of you. Now that was a story that Jesus told because he wanted his disciples to to know that one of the worst things they can do is think more of themselves than they should or just look at their accomplishments and, and pat themselves on the back. You, you have to see God in what you do. I'm just going to be honest. It's a whole lot of stuff. I know no way Walker could have did it without God. Jesus said, Jesus said point blank to his disciples, without me, you can do. And we have to see that before we get to just patting ourselves on the back. You be happy about what you have done, but always give God the glory. I said always give God the glory. Because if it hadn't been for him, we would be in a mess. Now, when a person is proud or has an attitude of being high-hearted, the person will ignore morals sometimes, just depending on the situation. Morals being choosing right or wrong. 
person would be to the point to where he or she is just going to do what he or she feels. You know it's wrong, but you're going to do it because of how you feel. Or sometimes if, if it's another person involved, you're going to do the wrong thing just because somebody telling you to do the right thing. Because you're, you're proud. I ain't going to do it just because he said do it. Why you ain't going to do it because he Because I don't like him. So he said, he said do it. I ain't going to do it because he said do it. At that moment, you are operating in pride. You are operating in arrogance. If it's right, it's right. If it's wrong, it's wrong. Don't, don't do the wrong thing just because you don't like somebody. Oh, Lord. I think I heard three responses when I said that. You do what's right because it's what? You don't do what's wrong because it's you got to have some morals. You got to have some morals even before you become Christian. Because even before you become Christian, you got to have morals to say, you know what? It's just right to be saved. And so you choose right or you choose Jesus because you know it's right to be saved or Christian. How many understand? Because Biblically speaking, and we're going to go there, when you know that it's morally right to do something and you do wrong, God calls that sin. Yes, he does. James 4, 17. Go there real quick. Y'all stay with me. James 4. 17. We just left James, didn't we? We just left James, the fourth chapter. Now we're going back. Y'all there? Last verse in the fourth chapter. Therefore, to him who knows to do good, are morally right, and does not, to him is what? And the wages of sin is, you end up in ruin. Because you know to do right. What you want. And to God, he said, that's sin. And that's what happens. And a person that, that know it but do it anyway is on a high horse. Has a high horse mindset. So let's just... We've defined high horse, let's define mindset. Just want to give you one definition of uh, mindset. Ready? A belief, a way of thinking that determines your behavior or attitude. A belief, 
a way of thinking that determines your behavior or attitude. And you know people that do certain things just because that's what they believe. And when you have a high horse mindset, you will do what's wrong because of your strong belief. You'll say there's nothing wrong with worshiping four or five gods because of your high horse mentality, your mindset. And such a mindset can creep into church. You can get to the place to where you start convincing yourself it's all right to do certain things that God told you not to do. In our day and time, it, it, it's sad, but the church ha has become opinionated to the point to where They hinder the Holy Spirit from doing his job. Holy Spirit was sent according to John 16 and 13 to guide us into all truth. But you have people that are so opinionated in the church to where it's as if they push the Holy Spirit to the side and say, well, you know, I feel like But what is the Holy Spirit saying? It's to the point to where folk will receive or listen to what somebody is saying. Or specifically the gift of God, a pastor. But will have an opinion about it. Instead of allowing the spirit of God to give them this earnment in reference to the anointed word. If a word is anointed, that means the spirit is there. Right? The spirit of God you in how much truth? If I'm preaching under the anointing, you don't need to be in an opinion, in a, in a state of, well, it's going to be my opinion. No, you need to be in a state of allowing the Holy Spirit to deal with you in reference to what I'm saying. Discern the Spirit. If I'm teaching under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Allow him to speak to you. Because it, it, never, it, it never needs to get to the point to where you try to weigh based upon your feelings God's word. Bible says we walk by, not by sight. 
Figuratively, sight represents your feelings, your senses, and so forth. You have to be spirit-led. You receive, the, you receive the Spirit of God in order to be Spirit-led. He will guide you into And see, now, day and time again, you, you have the church as a whole being opinionated about something. They go, I'm, I want to figure out if I'm going to believe him, her, or so-and-so. That, that's not the way God ordained for it to be in his church. He ordained for people to be so sensitive to the spirit of God that, that when he uses somebody to speak, they recognize the spirit and, and think, talk, and do based upon what the spirit is saying. That's, that's the reason churches got in, got in so much trouble to where in the book of Revelations, the spirit just starts using John to speak to different churches and said, Basically, to the churches, hear what the Spirit is saying to who? The church. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. The church had got to the point to where they were so opinionated to God had to, before he closed the book, had to let the church know that, look, you're not receiving the way you need to be receiving what the Spirit is telling you. You can't get opinionated. If you get opinionated, you'll start walking by sight instead of faith. And, re and remember again, 2 Corinthians 5 and 7 says, For we walk by, not by. And then in 2 Corinthians 4 and 18, it gives us the reason why. For the things that we see are sense are temporary. Even things you smell are temporary. That aroma, it sticks with you for the moment. But eventually it just goes, just like a vapor. You have, as a child of God, you have to be led by the Spirit of God. You don't even just follow a pastor. You follow a pastor according to 1 Corinthians 11 and 1 as the pastor follows Christ. And Christ is, y'all holding on, the anointed one. That's what his name means. Christ means the anointed one. So even when you follow me, you need to be discerned. And that way you, you won't take out on me what Christ is telling me to tell you. Because I'm going to tell you something. I'm going I'm to be in the prayer room on my face saying, God, what do you want me to give them? I don't want to give them something to, to, to try to make them shout. I don't want to give them something to try to make them do this, that. Or, I want to give them exactly what you would have me to give them. And my prayer be, Lord, let them receive it. As a spirit... Feel 
and spirit-led child of God and not put their opinion on it. Not walk in it based upon opinion. Old folks used to say crazy stuff. They said, well, you know, you just, you treat, you treat the word like a fish. You throw away the bones. And you eat the meat. You can't do that when you understand Bible. Because Jesus said to the devil, man shall not live by bread alone. Get this. But every, every word, every word. Man, anybody can live by something that, that makes you happy. You ain't got to change. You ain't got to do nothing but just be happy. You know, you hear that word today? We're going to get some blessings around here. Hallelujah. But then God will turn around and say, look, you need to deny yourself. Take up the cross and follow me. Same folk who was happy about a sweet word, turn around, man, that wasn't for me. I don't know who that was for. But that wasn't for me. Yes, yes it was. You got to live by every word. But your mindset has to be right. You can't have no, you can't have no high horse mindset. Because you, you will think you're, you're too big for certain things. Or certain things are not for you. But when God puts something on the table, it's for everybody including the preacher. You think I'm going to come out here and give you something that I don't have to live? Oh, no, that ain't the way it works. The only one that, that, that don't have to practice, do it, is God. Because he already there. He already there. But the rest of us, we got to put into action what the Spirit of God is saying to the church. Y'all with me so far? And so, Paul, in talking to Christians, he starts off here in Romans 12 and 3, letting them know that what he's getting ready to say is he saying it by grace? Because it was going to be a tough subject. And, and so he, he does something that, that is unusual for him. He, he lets them know what I'm, what I'm getting ready to say. I'm speaking it by grace. Grace. Two things I want you to understand about grace. Grace, in one sense, means kindness. I'm saying this as polite, as nice as I know how. As kindness. But number two, grace, biblically speaking, is tied into God. 
And he mentions that even in the verse. Even when it comes to our salvation, the Bible tells us by grace are we saved. And not of ourselves. It is the gift of God. So grace, secondly, refers to God helping Paul or giving Paul what to say to the saints. He was speaking to them because God told him to deal with something that, again, was going to be kind of tough. And some, at the time, were probably not going to receive it well, just like some of us, we may not receive it well. Because I knew when I spoke that little subject tonight, a lot of you, a lot of you in your mind, like, where are you going with this? <laughs> I think you know by now. He told him, I, I say through the grace that is given unto me that you should think more highly of yourself than you should. He talking to church, Christian. You can be in the church thinking more of yourself than you should. Because some folks, certain blessings that we get, oh man, we change. Should you change when you get certain blessings? Yeah. If God blesses you with, with a $1,000 pair of shoes, you know what? You should treat them $1,000 pair of shoes better than you treat them $20. Yes, you should. Now, you should do right by them $20 pair of shoes so they'll last. But, well, I don't even go with what you're saying right there. That's materialistic. Well, let me just drop some scripture on you. Since you're acting that way, let me drop some scripture. The Bible says, to whom much is given, much is required. The more he blesses you, the more responsible you should be. Can I flip it a little bit? The more he blesses you, the more humble you should become. Bible says about Jesus, he humbled himself. He humbled himself. Here come God in flesh, knowing he got to die. And, and, but he humbled himself. In order to do what he needed to do. You never need to allow blessings to control you. God should always control you. The more he blesses you, the more you should humble yourself and say, God, I thank you. Without you, I am nothing. Be, be happy about graduating cum laude, but, but you let everybody know if it hadn't been for God, this never would have happened. I can take you back years ago to where my name could have been D. I made so many. 
It wasn't nobody but God that helped you to graduate cum laude. You hear what I'm saying? Don't ever get beside yourself. And, and see, in order for him to minister something like this, somebody had started being high horse. In mind. In mind. You can't think more highly of yourself than you are. Now you need to think good about yourself. Oh yeah, when you when you done when you done spent two hours putting putting stuff together and trying to figure out what you're going to wear on Sunday morning, and then you finally reach a conclusion, yeah, I'm going to wear this right here. I thought women would help me out a little bit right there. But anyway, you done decided? When you get in that mirror, you should get in that mirror and look at yourself and say, God, God, I look good. And walk out of that house knowing you look good. When you come through them doors of the church, you should come through them doors head high. Knowing you look good. Notice the text. Not to think to what? You should think good about yourself, but not to. I know I look better, better than so, so, so and so. Look at her. These shoes way more expensive than what she got her. She needs to look at what I got and, and, and check herself. No, see, you thinking too highly of yourself than you are. The Lord and bless you with that with that nice automobile. Your, your harsh design. You normally try to run in the parking lot. You go, you go in so fast. But he done bless you. Oh God, you creeping in the parking lot. Yeah, it's me. It's me. It's me. Yeah, yeah. This is mine. This uh, it's me and this is mine. On the same day, somebody else come in with a, with a car. And you look down on what God has blessed them with. Lord, couldn't she get something a little bit better? I'm just going to let her see what I got and give her, give her a chance to hope a little more. You thinking too highly of yourself than you are. I got to pause and get you to tell somebody you got to come off that high horse when you're like that. <laughs> Say that to one more person. You got to come off that high horse. I, I love what Paul said. I got to show you all this. Good God. I got to show you. Let's go to 2 Corinthians. Good God Almighty. Y'all hold on. I'm almost done. Just, just hold on. 
2 Corinthians 12. I need you to see this. Second Corinthians 12 and 6. You ready? You get that. Say, preach them down because I want you to see this. All right. I have some pages turning. When you get that, say, preach, I finally made it. Okay. Second Corinthians 12 and 6. For this is Paul, same author of Romans. He says, for though I might desire to boast. Because sometimes you do want to say it. And, and he being honest right here. Look, look what he said. He says, for though I might desire to boast, I will not be a fool. I really want to let her know that what I have is ten times better than what she got. I, I, wanna, I want her to know that. For though I might desire to boast, I will not be what? You won't be a person that, that act as if you don't know God. Listen, Psalm 14 and 1 says, The fool has said in his heart, there is what? Paul said, I'm not going to be a fool. I'm not going to act as if I don't know God. I'm not going to act as if God hadn't taught me no better. When you're a fool, you act like you don't even know God. You just say what you know you ain't got no business saying. He says, for I will speak, notice, the truth. But I refrain lest anyone should think of me above what he sees me to be or heals from me. What was the portrait he wanted to be? A portrait of humility. An humble man. Even though he knew he could act a certain way, he chose not to. He was not going to be a fool. You have, you have to keep yourself clothed in humility. A mind of humility. Followed by words of humility. And lastly, deeds or acts of humility. He said, don't think more highly of yourself than you, than you are. But he don't leave us hanging when you consider Romans 12 and 3. Because he, he turns around and he says, but you need to think soberly. You got to think soberly. Now, soberly means serious, sincere, or in truth. But theologically and ecclesiastically, Sober implies being just because biblically, according to Romans 1 and 17, 
God's children are called just, and the just have to live by faith. By faith. So if I'm sober from a biblical standpoint, I'm just. I'm just. I'm going to live a just life. I'm going to live a life of faith. Yeah. The just shall live by? Well, how am I going to live a life of, of, of faith or live a just life? Romans 10 and 17. So then faith comes by? And hearing by what? What God gives me. That's what I'm going to live by. And when I live by it, that says that I'm being sober. He wanted them to think soberly. Yeah. To think justly. Yeah. See, it all starts with the mind. Whatever's up here, eventually it, it's going to be manifested in your words and your acts. Whatever is up here, it's going gonna, it's gonna to eventually come out. You can even try to hold it in. But Jesus, Jesus said it. He said, out of the abundance of the heart, and the heart in Scripture represents the mind. Yeah, because, because in one sense, the mind is the cardia in Scripture, but it's also the noose which represents the mind. And so the mind and the heart are synonymous the majority of the time in Scripture, whether we, whether we talk in Old Testament or New Testament. They're basically the same. You understand? And so we have to be to the point to where we're just, we just going to be sober. We're just going to think, talk, and do like the scripture or like what God is revealing. And when we do that, we're, we're sober. We're sober. That means God can bless you with millions. And, yeah, you, you, ain't, you ain't acting like you ain't got nothing. No, you ain't going to be stupid. That, that you got all this money and you ain't even buying you nothing nice to wear. That's crazy. You done been blessed with millions and you can travel the world, but you ain't going nowhere. That, that's crazy. Well, I know I got money, but I ain't going nowhere. Well, that's you. I know I got, I know I just got blessed with 300,000, but I'm, I'm still, I'm all right with my apartment. That's you. Yeah, that's crazy too, but that's you. I'm in an apartment, I get $300,000, I'm out the next day. I'm out the next day. Well, you know you're going to break your lease, you just, well, it's broke. Forgive me, but it's broke. I got a car that barely will make it from, from uh, here to, to Bankhead. I get $70,000. Oh, you better know I'm going to the car lot. 
You hear me? Yeah, you, but, but you just have to be just, sober, and still do everything according to how God leads you. The Bible even talks about the earth is filled with good things. And one of the reasons? For God's folk. No good thing will he withhold. From who? Those who walk up. Right. No good thing? No. No good thing will he withhold. We got to learn God better than what we, what we have. God show up when folks in poverty and say, hey, I got houses and land for y'all. Not just houses and land. I got, I got some land that's flowing with milk and honey. You got to understand him. And all he requires is for us to live justly. Do what he tells us to do. And he'll do what eyes have not, ears. But we have to know that when he blesses us, we can't think more of ourselves than we ought. We can't get on no high hearts. I say we can't get on no high hearts. Lord have mercy. We tearing that high horse up tonight, ain't we? So we want to consider a couple of verses about sober. A couple of verses, and we're going to be done. Let's start in First um, Peter. First Peter. Because you need to know why you need to be sober. And these two verses are going to explain it. First Peter chapter 5. Verse 8. Ready? Lord, have mercy. First Peter 5 and 8. Be sober. Be vigilant. And notice how Peter describes the devil. Because your adversary. I get along with everybody. Yeah, but Peter said, you got <laughs> You got an adversary. Pastor, all I do is try to live. You know how folks be moving their arms? Pastor, all I try to do is just treat everybody right and get along with everybody. I ain't no bad person is one you can't you can't get along with no matter what and that's the devil look how he describes him he wanted the church of the churches of asia minor to know be sober be vigilant because you're what the devil walks about like a roaring help me seeking whom he may what a line of walk miles walk for days Looking for the right prey. A lion will go by certain prey. Won't even, won't even make an attempt at them. A lion waits till he sees the specific prey that he wants. And then attacks. But notice he calls the devil your lion. I mean your adversary and say he's looking for a specific person to attack. Yeah. 
He is looking for a specific person to attack. And will he attack? Yeah. And let you know he your enemy. See, see, your enemy would know you want something and would try to stop you from getting it. And that's what the devil does. He can know you, you desire something and, and he, he'll be, she's somewhere. Yeah, that's she. That's the one who desiring such and such. And he will attack you. That's the reason Jesus said in John 10, 10, the thief comes not before to steal, kill, and destroy. He was referring to the devil. But I have come that they might have and that more abundantly. You got to understand, you got to be sober because there is an enemy that's going to try to stop you from getting what you desire, but most of all, what God wants you to have. In this season of better, how, how come you think folk been battling in trials, troubles, and so forth? The enemy been trying to stop it. But see, you got to know that in your mind and, and not be saying crazy stuff. When, when you battling, when you know that it's a certain season and, and, and things getting in the way of you possessing what God wants you to have, you got to know that it is the devil that has been that has been roaming. And he done spotted you. And he's going to try to stop you from getting what you desire or what God wants you to have. How many in here you believe God wants you to have certain things? And sometimes it's going to be a fight to get it because of this verse right here. And guess how you got to be? Sober. You got to keep living a just life. Because the enemy will not win if you live a just life. How can you say the devil won't win if I live a just life? Because of Matthew 4, what was Jesus doing? Living a just life. Putting the word on the enemy. Did he win? Yeah. What did the enemy do? He left. He couldn't do nothing with Jesus. All right, last, last scripture. Lord have mercy. Um, let's go to 1 Thessalonians. Let's go to 1 Thessalonians. Now, this is, this is amazing right here. We're going to go into 1 Thessalonians. Remember, Peter was uh, 1 Peter 5 and 8. We're going to 1 Thessalonians 5 and 8. That's amazing, isn't it? Boy, they must have been just hand in hand on the same page. 1 Thessalonians 5 and 8. Ready? But let us, who are of the day, or who are saved, be what? Yeah, we, we are light, right? We're not darkness, we are light, our day. But let us who are of the day, our light, be, help me, and when you're sober, you know what to put on. Woo, look at the verse. Putting on the breastplate of and what else? Love. And love, biblically speaking, uh, the primary definition is obedience. That's the primary definition of love in the Bible, obedience. How do you say that? Because God himself gave it. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. 
That's what Jesus told his disciples. The number one definition of love is obedience from a biblical standpoint. You're going to obey. You're going to obey. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love. And then he wants us to make sure our mind right. And as a helmet, the hope or expectation of salvation. Hope means expectation, especially from a biblical standpoint. What Romans 8 and 24 says, uh, when we hope, what do we do? We wait for it. What is waiting for it? Expecting it. You wait, you expecting it. And so if you have on the helmet of salvation, you hoping for your deliverance. Are you expecting your deliverance? You expecting God to do it. Why would you expect Jesus to do it? That's what his name means. Savior. Jesus. The Savior. Let's look at the verse one more time. I'm losing some of y'all. I think. Am I losing you? Oh, that's good then. As a helmet, the hope of what? So you're expecting what? But if it's a helmet, that means it's in your what? Your mindset should be salvation going to come. God going to do this. God going to work it out. Man, I'm going through it and, and the enemy trying to tell me it ain't going to happen, but it's going to happen. And you need to know it's going to happen when, when uh, you done read and it's in the form of a promise. Why is that? 2 Corinthians 1 and 20. All of the promises of God in him are? Yes. And? Yes. You, you need to be sure enough. This is going to happen. How you know it's going to happen? Well, I just read it right here. It's going to happen. The Bible says he could do this right here. So it's going to happen. I'm just expecting him to do what he said he would do right here. Amen? And so, we need to be to the point to where uh, we don't have a high horse mentality or mindset. You agree? All right, we're going to stop right there.